And yesterday we looked over the introduction over those four chapters. Hebrews is a book that we need at least three weeks to go over all the books of Hebrews. And I've, I've went through NB in Paraguay once covering all the books of Hebrews. And during this conference, we will look only through chapter 7, 8, 9, and 10. And in chapter 9, there appears the word, the phrase, new order. And when Jesus first came on this earth, he opened a new age. And we have arrived to a season that is uh, completing this new order. So just as I said yesterday, Jesus shot five things and he recreated, rebuilt five new systems. We can talk in, about this in many perspectives. But these five systems is the method of God's rule over, over his kingdom. It means that God will rule his kingdom through these five systems. This is not, not a matter of our choices, but the, the people who live by God's kingdom must live in these five new systems. So it's not a matter of our will or our our decision. But when we when we when we choose to serve him as our Lord and when we try to live in his kingdom, he will come within us and he will lead us and guide us to be able to live through that five systems. But why can't we why can't we live live like that? But because that's because you are not being influenced by the kingdom of God, but instead you are influenced by the kingdom of this world. In the perspective of the new self and the old self, because you are still living by your old self, that's why you cannot live that. If you are living by your new self, you will be able to live through these five systems. When you accept and when you receive this holiness that Jesus gives, you will be able to live, live in these five systems. So there's nothing about kingdom of God that we can make out of our will or our decisions. There are many churches around the world um, in Zoe ministry. Many people say, Oh, because our country, culturally, we are different, so we cannot do that, we cannot do this. But for last more than last 25 years, I've never said once, because of the culture, we need to do that. Because of the culture, no, I have never said that. Be what is Holy Spirit saying? What is God is saying? So, in order to live by the kingdom of God, you need to get out of your selfishness. If you try to live by your method, if you try to live by your own thoughts, you cannot live in kingdom of God. You cannot live by your own strength in kingdom of God. Every time I talk about the um, doctrine of, of the church, Ecclesia, um, oh, never mind. But anyways, what's the purpose? What's the purpose? It's not to make a good man. So it's to um, completely die to your old, old um, life principles. Ephesians 5.1 says this, to imitate God. 
we are the ones to, to imitate God. That's why we are in the church. Church is kingdom of God itself. So, so God, will, God will provide everything in order to make one to be like God. Kingdom of God doesn't uh, just come out of nowhere. That's why the, the church ministry is difficult. And there are keyboard players over here. So they just becoming a good keyboard player is not enough. They need to do ministry. They need to go out to the mission fields. They need to understand the word well. That's the principles. That's the um, that's the principles of Ephesians, uh, Ephesus, a uh, book of Ephesians. So you you, you shouldn't just satisfying and just offering good amount of money. There's nothing that belongs to me. So you have to give out everything that you have. That should be the image of the person who lives in kingdom of God. And we have around 160, around 160 people from our church. And when I say, hey, give everything of yours. And, and because they don't have much in the first place. They say amen easily. So these five systems are the methods of God's kingdom or the uh, principles of God's kingdom. And we talked about these two great books of, of Christology. One is Mark and one other is the book of Hebrews that we will look over. Okay, and we looked over book of Mark yesterday briefly. And because that is what's necessary for us to, to know in order to understand Hebrews. And if you want to know deeper about Book of Marks, then you should go on, online and uh, listen to my sermon. In our church, we nearly finished all 66 books of the Bible. And the message that you are hearing are all acknowledged, are all um, peer-reviewed by all our doctors in our church or our assistant pastors. But it is not on behalf of our acknowledgments. But the reason why we have established this church system over the last 20 years is to restore this church system of the early churches. So, inevitably, we have to go through this battle of truth. We need to fight the battle of truth against Vatican, which corrupted the truth system over 2,000 years. And we will soon begin that battle. And when it begins, do not run away. Please stand on my side. So you should, <laughs> you should become a shield or barrier for me. <laughs> because I have many things to do and I have to survive until the, until the end. So you guys should die first. <laughs> Amen. 
So the truth system that we are hearing in Zoe Ministry are designed by the by God with His great plan, His magnific magnificent plan. Um, you are already experiencing it. And when, when this truth uh, comes in, people go crazy. Africa, amen. Uh, Southeast Asia, amen. Latin America, amen. Hallelujah. So let's begin. Oh, they said <laughs> Korea. <laughs> Don't say amen. <laughs> okay, let's begin looking at chapter 7. As we said yesterday, on chapter 7, in chapter 7, Jesus shot two things out of those five things. Now, now Jesus was made as a great high priest who comes in the order of Melchizedek. So we have no reason to meet the high priest on this earth anymore. We only need to meet this great high priest who is in this heavenly sanctuary. And there's a reason why this religion is dangerous. When you, when you do the religious acts, automatically you are beginning to have relationship with these earthly things. When it becomes a religion, it will make you live uh, legalistic. And the, the term legalistic is well described in Book of Galatians. But anyways, it is a very dangerous thing. Many Christians misunderstand and think that um, their life suffers because they don't have things. They don't have money. They don't have like good relationship with people. But it's all, all deceptions. It's completely opposite. Um, they suffer because uh, they lack the things that are given by God. The money that is not being given by God, the people that is given by, by God, the time that God acknowledges, because of those, they, that's why they suffer. And if you solve that issue, they will go into the glorification. So what's the core, core characteristic of the, all the apostles in the New Testament? They gave up totally upon themselves. And Jesus already fulfilled that on the cross. So Paul said that I was crucified with Christ on the cross so that now I no longer live. It is Jesus Christ who is living in me. So do not be deceived. We are not suffering because we lack things from the world. Rather, those things are the factors that make my, my life suffer. What's the true freedom? Being emptied completely. Not having anything at all. That's when you will experience this complete freedom. This is the season that you will experience this. You have to completely um, tear down all the walls of Jericho of selfishness within you. So there should be nothing that you should be afraid of. This is the true freedom. Living by faith only. 
living by God only. God who is our everything. Yeshua who is my everything. Yeshua, you are my everything. I only need you alone. This confession must come out, out of you. Amen? So, so this is how dangerous the religion is. And there are many pastors sitting here. Pastor ministering is such a glorious ministry, right? If I am to be reborn thousand and ten thousand times, I will still be a pastor again. But do not misunderstand. Think, oh, he's believing in this reincarnation and karmas and stuff like that. No, do not misunderstand. But I'm saying, I'm emphasizing that's how glorious pastor ministry is. But when it becomes a religion, you lose all your dignity and your glory. The most important thing that you should be aware of or you should be careful about when you pass your ministry is preventing yourself from being a religion. God, uh, fundamentally, He keeps changing in me. He keeps renewing in me. So there's nothing that I, I need to do. All I have to do is to meet Him continuously. I need to be only in His his time of his rule, Kairos. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's continuously leading me toward a new peak. My wife is, is my witness. And my, my church members are my witnesses. And they see me keep being renewed and renewed. But what's complicated? Uh, no, no, no. Who, who is a pastor? Pastors are not the ones who are pushing the church members from behind. Only when the pastors lead them from the front, when he leads them to a new path, church members will naturally follow him afterward. The one who is pushing, pushing the sheep from the behind is, is not the shepherd. It's the shepherd dog. So those, those pastors, instead of uh, praying loud uh, like a roaring tiger, when a, when a tiger roars, the whole mountains will, will be silent. So the church members should have this confidence that, oh, when our pastor prays, it will be all okay. But when you become this shepherd dog, instead of raising the roar of a tiger, you will be like, you will bark like a dog. <laughs> <laughs> so we we can be renewed every day only when we rely on God so look you will live with God in the eternity but um, no matter how much you like God, if you live maybe for 10,000 years with, with God, you will, um, you will get used to it and you will begin to hate it, right? Uh, Pastor Samuel, 
Imagine if you live with your wife for, for 10,000 years. So you will get sick of it, right? But, but he is uh, eternally being renewed. He is the one who is eternally new. He's eternally the best. So when I met him 34 years ago, and ever since then, he was always new. He was always new. And with my wife, we, we, now, we are now living more than 30 years now. We are keeping renewed. Ask her. We, we, we have six children because, because my wife is nearly a Jew. She gave birth to many children. And, and even now, we want to give, give birth to a new child because we love each other so much. And, and women are mysterious beings. I see as, as more they give birth to a new child, they get more beautiful and beautiful. Of course, their bellies get bigger, but that does not matter. <laughs> that does not matter. Our women, they get more beautiful as they give birth to a child. And John Wesley, he was a 19th child of a family. So, so how beautiful, um, imagine how beautiful uh, her mother was. So this is, this is what a life with God would be like. But without being renewed, it's all religion. So among you guys, if your prayer is not being renewed, your spirituality is not being renewed, so the first thing that you should examine is the, the religion. Do not be deceived. Uh, because I begin believing in God for 30 years, there's nothing for me to be changed. That's a deception. That's a lie. Ephesians chapter 3 says, God is not the one who will make things on the way, but He at once gave everything in order for us to live with Him for eternity. So our spiritual growth is not about getting into the first grade, second grade, and third grade. But instead, it's keep revealing God's kingdom within me. And those people who are being able to believe in this, they put their um, principles principles in um, unraveling all the bindings and all the spiritual weaknesses. So the reason why the church can continuously renew the church members and guide them is not because they are receiving something from the outside, but because, because God's kingdom is continuously being rebuilt by, by the people. And about tomorrow we'll be talking about the new covenant. And you are being, receiving blessing from me. You are not receiving blessings, not because you are um, realizing something completely new, but because the word that is existing in you is meeting the word that is being proclaimed through me right now. That's the reason why you are being blessed. You don't have to search for anything. It's already in you. The only thing that it has to do is to be revealed through you. The reason why I keep 
the reason why I am uh, preaching here is not to let you, uh, let you know about the new things, but in order to unravel the things that is already in you. So when it is being loosened, it will be revealed through you, and you will be renewed, and you will see that. So that's how dangerous the religion is. Let's enter into the text. It's all the story about Jesus Christ. So first, from verse 1 to verse 10, it talks about Melchizedek. Just like, just like it appears in verse 2, Melchizedek was a, a, a symbol, symbol to symbolize Jesus who is about to come. So they are talking about Yeshua. In fact, Hebrews have a very complicated uh, structure. <laughs> and only if you understand the structure of the Hebrews well, you would have um, no difficulty to understand the book of Hebrews at all. And as I said yesterday, uh, Hebrews is a letter in a sermon form. Letter written in a sermon form. So in a word, it's a sermon. So just as Paul is emphasizing a cross, the author of Hebrews is emphasizing the blood of Jesus Christ. So it's like um, proclaiming the blood within the sermon, within the preaching. So to Paul, it is important to say that, oh, God says, God says. But for author of Hebrews, author of Hebrews is emphasizing the Holy Spirit is speaking right now. The Lord is speaking right now. So, so what matters to him is the present because it's a sermon. And while he's preaching the sermon, there are five warnings. And sometimes it seems like those five warnings are against the flow of the sermon. But during your sermon, you might get get a little bit stay. Uh, uh, you might get aside, and, and you might rebuke your church members. You might emphasize something. So this is how. This is why the, these five warnings are appearing in, in these texts. So there are many different interpretations by the scholars of Book of Hebrews. So it's so complicated. But we don't have to be complicated. Because no matter how complicated it is, the uh, only thing that we need to do is to receive God's inspirations. And because all the 66 books of the Bible are providing the evidence to solve and unravel all the secrets of the Hebrews. So let's continue. Let's begin looking at uh, verse 1 to verse 10. Uh, actually, the author of Hebrews begin mentioning about Melchizedek from chapter 5. So before entering seriously into a, a, a theme, uh, he is giving a hint. So that's how he, he is preaching. This is one of the methods that, that Jews used to use when they give out the speech or the sermon. So Hebrews is such an important book. Sometimes um, it has a nickname as a, the fifth gospel. So in the ordinary churches, they have 
different um, contradictions or, or different conflicts. We have to get rid of our sins, but why are we still committing another sins? And, and in, in perspective of the sanctification, uh, because we have not solved the issue of perfection, and in order to solve the issue of perfection, you have to know about uh, um, Jesus' ministry of heavenly sanctuary. Who am I identically? Am I the one who goes to hell when I commit sin? And when I, when I am spiritually feel, uh, filled, I go to heaven? And seriously, there are many of you who, who is going back and forth from heaven and hell uh, many times within a day. That's because you don't understand the heavenly, heavenly uh, ministry, the heavenly sanctuary ministry. You don't, you don't understand the big picture of the soteriology well. So in that sense, Book of Hebrews is providing us such an important thing. Uh, without talking about Hebrews, if you talk about soteriology, it's all, all um, lies. Without talking about Hebrews, you cannot talk about Christology. You are losing one pillar of the two. So um, Christology from Mark, it's really important and it, all, it shows us a lot of images about Jesus Christ. But ultimately, but ultimately, what Jesus did during his ministry must be unraveled through book of Hebrews. And it is connected to the eschatology of his second coming. So book of Hebrews is such an important book that connects those, those two things. And I pray, I hope that Hebrews would be translated as soon as possible in Spanish. I believe we already have the translation in English and Chinese. So, yeah, we are waiting for Spanish translations to be completed. So if we look at chapter 5, verse 5, Hebrews 5, 5, yesterday I said this, he was a royal son. Actually, this is a revelation that is given by Mark. But uh, Mark is referring, uh, bringing his evidence from Psalms. There are many other texts that support this idea. But biblically, uh, the second Psalm, Psalms, chap Psalms chapter 2, is the evidence of um, Christology in Mark. So first, he is the son of God. Christ means king. Son of God, it has a meaning of a king itself too. But especially when we say son of God, where's the 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 essence? It's upon the rule. In Hebrews 1 2 says 
Now, God will speak and rule through, through His Son only. He is now the king over all creation. This is why he is being called as a royal son. And being a royal son itself is an amazing thing. But what's the problem there? This royal son cannot open the way, the path toward the father. This, is, this must be done by the royal priest. And this appears in verse 6. So, so the core of the um, Christology in Hebrews is the Christology of Melchizedek. And saying that Yeshua is the great high priest that comes in the order of Melchizedek. So by one being, these two jobs are being fulfilled. This is the fulfillment of uh, Zechariah chapter 3. And in Zechariah chapter 6, um, there is no conflict between these two jobs. Because there is only one person who is doing both jobs. And when, when Jesus first came on this earth, why did he come? We'll see that on, on chapter 9. Jesus came on this earth in order to fulfill his Father's will. And God is a holy God. There are two representative characteristics of the holiness. First is a perfect love. God loves you without any, any uh, defect. This is a love that human beings cannot understand. And if we have to explain it, just as Jesus said to Peter, um, forgive seven times. Or no, 70 times, 7 times. If we see what he has done for us, he gave up upon his fame as a creator. He gave up upon his omnipotence. On behalf of us, he gave up upon all those things. And we will explain it later more precisely. But anyways, he's the one who has this perfect love. And at the same time, he has this righteousness of holiness. He, he has no possibility to be related with the sin at all. Okay, listen to this by faith. Listen, listen to this through, through inspiration. If you try to understand this through your knowledge or through your understanding, uh, you cannot do. Just receive it by faith. This, this word will do great things in you. Just like Hebrew 4.11 says, um, God's, God's word is active and it is powerful, just like double-edged sword. It will pierce through all the fleshes and bones. And uh, John 16 says clearly that God's word is alive. Right now, this life is going in you. And it will reveal all the true life and the false life within you. It will differentiate all those. Are you guys still, uh, uh, still dizzy and tired? Open your eyes wide open. And as I always say, it's okay to, to sleep and doze off. Do not snore. Just do not snore. Okay, let's continue. 
So this one person is being entrusted of two jobs. So when we understand this, we don't have to put our life on anything else. Only thing we have to put our life is Jesus himself. You are my everything. You are our everything. So in verse 7, let's look at verse 7. Oh no, chapter 5, verse 7. I, I will surely finish until chapter 10. <laughs> there were many histories of me not being able to finish until the point that I promised you to finish during the conferences. That's not my lie. I have a strong will to finish, but but God, God's inspiration does not lead me like that. But I will surely finish. Even if you have to uh, stay all night long in order to finish that, I will do so. But let's look at verse 7. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, and, and Mark used the term son of man. It means that when he was on this earth, he was a complete same human being like us. Just as we said about holiness, in, in God's per perspective of love, he must forgive the sin, but in his perspective of righteousness, the sin is only the object of his judgment. So when, when God sees this human being having this image of sin, he must have this conflict. Should I let him live? Should I judge him? And, and Jesus came on this earth in order to solve this conflict. Just Isaiah 41 says, Jesus decided to wear the flesh of a human being and to come to this earth. Father, beat me, beat me. And beat me and Father, fulfill your righteousness and your love. So because of his love and his righteousness, God beat his son. And because of that precious blood that has been spilled, God can love these human beings. Before Jesus Christ, before days of Jesus Christ, a sinful human being are, are being seen as a, as a conflicted being. But through Jesus Christ, that righteousness and love became one. God sees us saying that, oh, you don't have sin any longer. Hebrews 4.16 says that he allows us to go before the throne of grace. And having the qualification to meet him is a tremendous thing. And, and even, even it is difficult for us to go before a humanly king, right? And in book of Esther, Esther, um, when she tries to go before the king Xerxes, it's even dangerous for, for her. Let's say if our pastor Samuel is a king, um, his, his wife should not go anywhere on her own will. Or, or she, she, she should not go before his presence. Um, just <laughs> have it surely. So you should be thankful that your, your husband is not a king. 
Whenever I see these couple, they are <laughs> they are very pleasing me. Because uh, Pastor Samuel is always so happy. Because I don't take I don't have to take care of my wife. Um, Pastor Samuel's always carrying this obligation to take care of his, his wife. But you know, Pastor, please come and tell me the secret how you are taking care of your wife. Anyways, let's continue. <laughs> I need to cut cut down these these these, well, these these different jokes in order to finish the sermon quickly. But because because if the sermon gets too long, I I'm, I I worry about you guys uh, will be too tired. So this is all necessary. So anyways, Jesus came on this earth wearing this flesh in order to solve this conflict within God's heart. And as I said yesterday, Jesus already knew his identity when he came on this earth wearing the body of a, of a human being. And we are the same. If we don't know who we are, then that's over. Our life has no meaning. Why are we keep being mixed by the world? keep being polluted by the world it's all the matter of identity because you know you think that you are a beggar you are living like a beggar what's the core core of what's the secret of all the revelation being being unraveled is that all the bible is is about the identity not about the deeds you are not a sinner because you committed a sin because you are a sinner that you are committing a sin so it's all matter of identity who you are the reason why we can accept all the messages in 66 books of Bible is not because we can do all those acts but because we are the righteous we can live the righteous life and what's the core message in the New Testament just like Habakkuk 2.4 is the fulfillment of that prophecy. The righteous shall live only by faith. And Book of Romans is talking about the life of the righteous. And Galatians is talking about the faith. And Hebrews is talking about the life. So by faith, you receive that identity of the righteousness and you begin to live the life of the righteous. So faith is a gift by God. So through that faith, when you receive the precious blood right now, you will receive that faith and you will begin to live the life of the righteous. And you have to clearly receive that. And he came on this earth as a human being, just like us. That's his identity. But what's the problem there? He was unable to reveal his identity as a son of God until a certain point. 
Why? First, because he became a complete human being. If he revealed his identity as a son of God, then the salvation of a humankind will, will be nullified. So, uh, theoretic, um, theologically, we call it a messianic secret. He cannot reveal his identity as a Christ. So he lived completely as a mere human being just like us. And he must die. He must have died. So he had to live as a human being. And Hebrews 2.14 says that through his dying and his resurrection, he destroyed all the authority of devils. And he brought this complete victory. And once again, Hebrews chapter 5 verse 9 says that he became the foundation of our salvation, source of the eternal salvation. And, and in, in, in Greek, it says that he became our model. So, so that's why we, we need to live like him because he lived as a, be, as a human being. Philippians 2.7 says that he never took the identity as, as equal to be like God and he emptied himself. That's how he lived. He emptied himself completely. He relying on the Holy Spirit. That's why John 14:12 says, "Those who believe in me will do do things like me and even greater things than I did." And if you are spiritually filled, you will become able to do so. And there were we we witnessed many ancestors of faith in 2,000 years of the Christian histories who live like that. And here, the body or the flesh is the starts. So that's why this is important. Starts itself is not a sin. But if you don't do something about it, it has a characteristic of drawing sins to it. So Starks is a source of the old self that can create or, the, or to draw the sin. So if, even if Jesus, if he didn't do something about that, he probably was to commit sin too. But this new self is a, is a self that does not have any system to commit a sin. It only has a system to uh, fulfill the righteousness. So if you live by the new self, you won't commit any sin. First John 2.9 is saying, those, those who are being born by God will never commit sin. So if you are being born by God, it means that you are a new self. If you, if you live by the new self, you will not commit sin. But Sarks is inevitably commit sin. Unless you change this identical being. So, so basically, fullness of the Holy Spirit is maintaining the new self. Changing your old self into a new self immediately. 
So you are continuously fighting this battle inside of you. Galatians 5.16 he says, and within me, this old self and the Holy Spirit is keep having the conflict. And within this battle, you should be always victorious. As the more you are being filled with a new self, this amount will get bigger and bigger. And the, the victory rate, the win rate will rise until when? Until you, until you make the old self paralyzed. And when you wear, wear this resurrected body, finally this old self and new self will be separated. Until then, these two beings will not be separated, but you should have a complete uh, dominant win rate over the old self. And Romans 5.38 says that it mentions the phrase glorification. And it says that we, we, it is God's decision to make us holy and blameless. And Hebrews 4 says that we will enter into the Sabbath rest. It's not by our effort that we will win over anything. Just like, just like if you go inside, go outside of the universe, then you, you don't have to um, put any strength in order to go forward. Just like that, if you are in Jesus Christ, you don't have to put your efforts. So in your, uh, in your uh, rationality, in your reasons, how can a man does not commit a sin? Do not bring your understanding down to your human level. Over 30 years, all the possibilities of the Lord came within me. And maintain the fullness of the Holy Spirit for over only for a year and see what happens. And over 30 years, I've been living, uh, trying to maintain the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Oh, never, never, never. Jesus maintained the fullness of the Holy Spirit for 30 years. That's why he was able to walk on the waters, perform the miracles of the fish and the bread. So, so all the possibilities of, of Jesus who maintained the fullness of the Holy Spirit for 30 years is in us. That's a new self. So continue to maintain the, full, uh, the new self. So continue to receive the word by faith. If you try to understand it out of your own possibility, you cannot receive this word. So through this season, God is raising these people. Do not try to listen um, to the message through your experience. That's not the truth. Truth is not showing any possibility of a human being, but only showing how will you become when you live by God. It's not drawing God's word down to your own level, but instead giving uh, what you giving up on what you have and and being ascended to heavens to His level. So the flesh. So um, he offered up prayers and petitions with uh, fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. This is the method of a prayer who has the flesh. 
giving up everything and praying in faith of God. This must be the image of prayer that we should lift up to the Lord. So here, uh, saying that he was hurt because of his reverent submission, or, or, or the one who could save him, this does, this does not simply mean that he will be resurrected after the cross. And Jesus had the possibility to have the immoral thoughts when he sees a woman. And if he is so hungry, he could have committed a theft. But through this prayer, he, he gave up upon all these desires of flesh. So that's how much he was tense. He, he had this awareness toward the sin. If he committed a single sin, if he made a one mistake, the whole salvation of the human race will be nullified. So how painful would that be? So our pastors, you committing a sin is not a single problem of you individual. Let's say you're watching a football match. It's not simply receiving um, the world for you individuals, but it's opening a gates of the world to your church. Pastors from Latin America, I'm talking about football, soccer, you know. Sports is a good tactic that is Satan using. And when I when I first met these Latin American pastors, I told them to uh, stop watching football. So you need to be aware of these three S: sports, screen, and sex. And these Latin American people, they are um, quite good with the, this uh, immorality. So they go back and forth between this border of love and immorality. So you should be honest. So we should be aware of these three S. When you are in your flesh state, these three S will become a good bait to hook yourself. Unless you give up upon yourself, you will um, bite that bait. So you need to always examine whether yourself is dead or not. That's how you should maintain your new self. You should continue to die to yourself. So if you talk about the fullness of the Holy Spirit in different perspective, it means that you never consider a sin as a light thing. So looking at David, he says that even if a multitude of the army attacks on us, I will never be afraid. Why? Because he relies on Jesus. The more you are uh, reverent to God, the more you will be aware of the sin and you will be alert. You will never consider the sin light. And, and through that holiness, through that holiness, the action comes out. After the repentance of the sin um, taking Bathsheba, David never committed the sin again. 
But why? But why is so difficult for you? And why is it not painful for you and not being able to repent? Because if you sustain the darkness and becoming a little darker, that's not, that does not show any significance. But if you are keep continuing to maintain this, this white stage, and if you find one stain, that's a painful thing. So after maintaining the presence for a long time, if you lose the presence, it becomes fearful for you. But there are many people who have never experienced this presence. So whether he has this presence or not, it does not matter to him. So you need to continue to sustain and maintain this presence. Not being able to feel, feel this uh, presence is a fearful thing. So within this relationship comes out this deep holiness and deep repentance. And within that deep relationship, you will begin to see these, these um, essential, fundamental darkness. And Paul, within, he, within this time of his epitome, of his, uh, the peak of his, um, his spirituality, he confessed that I am, I, am the, um, I am the least of the sinners. Why? Why was he able to confess like that? Because he saw his fundamental darknesses and evils in, in him. So these, these essential evils, as you continue to rebel against the Holy Spirit, you will begin to bind, make bindings in you. But because you do not see these fundamental evils, it is impossible for you to enter into the deep repentance. So you need this time to, to um, loosen those bindings. There are many methods, but what, the most important thing is to focus on God. That's why the meek, meek heart is important. Meek heart, it means that you, you postpone all your judgments and you focus on God and maintain the presence. That's when your bindings will be unbind. Oh, I, I went against Holy Spirit's will. And I made all these bindings while rebelling, rebelling against Holy Spirit. And when God anoints you powerfully, when God pours you powerfully, these bindings will be unbind um, in a minute. And when these, when these are being revealed, then the problem is easy. The only thing that you need to do is to sprinkle the precious blood. So that's how, that's a process that you need to go through when you repent. There are people whose flesh is dominant in his characteristics. For those people, it, it will be difficult for them to maintain the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Those people probably will go back and forth from old self and new self over and over again. So, so they don't know what it means to go before the throne of grace. Why? Because they cannot maintain the new self. So as you unravel these kind of things and when you loosen these things, the fullness of the Holy Spirit will be longer for you, will become longer. 
10 minutes, one hour, one day, then, then God will do miraculous things in your life. In Psalms 40, David is confessing, Oh, God has so much thoughts upon me, about me. Because David is maintaining the new self, he's continuously hearing what God is saying to him. Oh, God is so interested in me. So when David prays, God hears, and even the Creator asks a question to a, to a creation. That's how he was having the relationship. That's the uh, fulfillment of the prophecy of Amos. Amos chapter 3, 6. God never does his thing without revealing his secret to his servant. So this secret is sold in Hebrew. Sold is a secret place. So this relationship entering into the secret place of, of Yahweh. God will make you like that. And God is looking for these people who will be like that. Amen. So we looked over how we should pray. Verse 8, son, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. He was a creator, but he learned the obedience? What a nonsense. What does it mean? It means that he was a, a complete human being. Just like Psalms 110, the suffering became a benefit for him. So through this suffering, he went through this process to break down his fleshliness. So he never lost the sight of his, his purpose for his coming. So when, when we say the, that blood is in me, when his spirit is in me, uh, when we say his word is in me, it means that uh, all the purpose of those three indwelling in me is upon our perfection, our completion. That's the only purpose of God upon us. Not to make us a good man. Not saying that, oh, you used to commit 10 sins, but I will now make you to commit 5 sins. No. Completion. Perfection. The only purpose that the Creator has upon us. To make us holy and blameless. To make Him the decision of Him. So, the moment that you, you hear His promise, immediately you will receive His authority and you will be able to die to yourself. Only thing that you have to do is to accept His promise, receive His promise, and through everything that He has put in us and through all the price of sacrifice that He has made on this earth, you will be able to be like that. So the only, only plan that He has upon us is the perfection. So look, look over all the books of the Bible saying that, oh, you can live out of your own will and live according, live whatever you want to live and you will still be able to enter into the kingdom. No, only perfection. What happens to the, those people who are not, not being perfected? It is not, it is not mentioned on the Bible. So we, we, we don't know. We don't know what will happen. Amen. 
So do not do not listen to this message um, as as religion. Just like uh, just like Mark said, because he has called, he never regrets upon his calling. Because he called us, he will he will fulfill. And when you receive the message by faith, God, this loving God, He will make this man perfect. Amen. So that's how easy living by God is. Some people, some people, um, conflict so much because he lacks thousand dollars. Some people um, suffer when he does not have one dollar. It does not matter. All of them are same. Do not, do not worry. Do not worry. Do not concern. It's not about our our work. Only thing that you have to be, do is to believe in His promise. You will. Oh, you promise to make us perfect, Lord. I believe. I believe in Your word. Why? Because Holy Spirit is within within us. The word is within us. The power of the blood is within us. As long as these three things are are circulating in us, and when we rely upon these three things, then it's matter of time that we will be like like Him. Right? Hallelujah. So that's why the Hebrews is saying that he became the source of our salvation. He emptied himself completely. And just like him, when we empty ourselves completely, we will be able to live like him. So look, he is the one who has the perfect love. Would would a person uh, would would he who has a perfect love would he spare something when he gives give things to us? No, impossible. He always gives gives us the best. So so he will make us like Jesus. He will make us to imitate God, to imitate Jesus. This is the only plan and will that he has toward us. God's kingdom is not the kingdom that the beggars go. God's kingdom is not the kingdom that a corrupted people will go. God's kingdom is a kingdom that only perfected beings are going. But it, it is never possible for us to fulfill that, accomplish that with our own strength. But this kingdom is coming. This kingdom is coming. So you should be prepared. You should be ready. God will make you be prepared. In verse 10, and was designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. He wore the body, uh, the flesh, and without committing a single sin, he was perfected. And he now became the great high priest in the order of Melchizedek. So this must, you must be moved hearing this. You must have this joy and amazement. Why? Because the path, path to God has been opened through him, the great high priest. So in the perspective of the counselor, Holy Spirit is our counselor. And 1 John calls Jesus also as a counselor. 
so we have this blood spilling, uh, bloodshed lawyer, the most powerful lawyer. And we will see in chapter 7, he has no relationship with sin. So, accusement of sin or any, any elements of the sin, as long as Jesus becomes a counselor for us, he can separate us completely from the sin. So I, I always emphasize, you trying to do something out of your own effort, that's dangerous. And, but you still have these um, preconceptions thinking that I have to do something through my own effort at least. But no, God already gave us the per perfect holiness, perfect um, sanctification and glorification. There is nothing that God gave to us that is not perfect. So only thing that he asked us to do is to believe in his promise. Just have faith. Receive it by faith. Be free. Be free. Chinese brothers, are you guys experiencing this freedom? Because our Chinese brothers are under the influence of this spirit of communism. They might have been brainwashed by the communists. So it is difficult for them to receive grace. Or of course, different countries have different weaknesses, but Chinese brothers and sisters, they have this kind of weaknesses. Probably not, it does not apply to these, these brothers and sisters who came here. And if our brothers and sisters from China do not receive blessings during this conference, I will be disappointed. I, and I, uh, I will be afraid of Xi Jinping and then I won't be able to go to China. No, never. Whenever we go all around the world for the conferences, I'm grateful for all the people who are praying for us. And last time during the conference in South Korea, it was so, so um, uh, graceful because everybody prayed for us during the conference. Thank you. Gracias. And you guys also need to pray for Africa Conference and China Conference. Amen. Such an important conferences. Over five years because of COVID, um, we were unable to do 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 uh, conference in China. And the last conference that we had in China, there there were these police um, just breaking in into the conference place. So pray pray a lot for us. So let's enter into the main text. Okay, I promise you that we will finish the whole chapter. Oh, let's, let's first pray. Let's pray first. You need to receive these words by faith. And so that, so that this word will, will flow into you. He came, came as a flesh. 
Oh, that's how he fulfilled this perfection, not committing a single sin. So when Holy Spirit comes within us, he brought everything that Jesus has fulfilled on this earth within us too. So only thing that we have to do is to believe in this truth. Oh, that's how precious I am. So ultimately, believing in Jesus Christ is not making a, a, a cold water a hot water. No, it's being transformed into a completely new being. So you need to receive it in faith. Father, at this time, let this word um, be present upon us by anointing. Lord, let this word circulate within me. Lord, let this word become a double-edged sword and cut off all this disobedience and unbelief. Lord, let this power of the blood circulate within us. Let this unravel and solve all the problems and, and loosen all the bindings. Blood of Jesus Christ. Blood of Jesus Christ. Okay, let's continue. Uh, let's continue on chapter 7. So this is story of Melchizedek. Melchizedek is a person who appears in Genesis chapter 14 and Psalms 110. And Psalms 110 is the, the source that the author of Hebrews is using to refer him. So it's a short Psalms, but, but it shows a big image of the eschatology. And it's an important psalms that shows who is this Messiah in this eschatology. And psalms, it says that this Messiah will raise the, the youth like a morning dew who will go joyfully praise God. He will raise those youth. So, so this psalms is uh, teaching us who this Messiah is. And it is saying that Messiah will raise this young generation. So he is directly mentioning to this season. So that's why this one-tenth Psalms is such an important revelation. Of course, of course, in the other scriptures, we have many different scriptures from Qumran and other communities. Uh, we, we, we can find some, some writings about Melchizedek, but the most important source for us is the Bible itself. So, so that's why Psalms 110 is the most important key to solve the secrets of Hebrews chapter 7. We'll talk about that later more in details. And in Genesis 14 appears a story of Melchizedek. So in the Palestinian um, area, the kings made a union to fight a battle. And the kings um, in the area where where Ruth was staying, um, they lost. So so Lot, um, Lot, he became a slave. He he was he was captured as a captive. So Abraham raised an army against against those those kings. So within the blood of Jews, 
they have these this blood of a special force. One of the most important tactics to win over greater number of army is to to uh, bring a sudden sudden strike, sudden attack. So that's what Israelites are good at, right? So we need to love Israel. If we do not love Israel, how can we minister them? Ever since 2015, we've been pouring many things to Israel. And from now, um, there will be um, there will be lots of churches of the remnants who will rise, who will arise, and they, there will be lots of churches who will experience the um, revival like like the Gentiles. This is one of the core purpose why we are here in this in this place. The power of the blood will begin to flow to Israel. The Israel, Israel is still um, tilted toward Old Testament, but now they will begin to turn over to New Testament. This is not my own story, but this is a um, prophecy that has been prophesied. So after, after the victory of Abraham, the one who greeted him was Melchizedek, the king of Salem. So what matters in this story is that Melchizedek was the one who, who taught Abraham who God was. And from that point, Abraham began to call upon the name of God. Um, God of all heavens and the creator of the of the nations. So Abraham was a was a leader of a tribe, and he was actually a tetrarch or, or a king of a region. And and Melchizedek was also the king of Salem. So they are equally they are socially equal, but. But he received, Melchizedek received a tithing from Abraham. So actually, it was a, uh, a royal meeting by two kings. But Abraham only understood God as a tribal king within his area, within his territory. So this has a significant meaning. Abraham only knew Yahweh as a tribal, tribal God, a territorial God. But after meeting Melchizedek, he realized that, oh, Yahweh is not a simply a territorial God, but he is actually God of all creation. He, he realized this. God of all heavens and earth. God most high. God who dwells in the place most high. In the most high place. And we use this term most high to God a lot. Isaiah 59 says, At the end time, the remnants will arise. 
God who dwells in the most high place. And Isaiah actually saw, saw God dwelling in the most high place. And after about 70 years, he sees God once again who is indwelling in the high place again. But uh, the height that Isaiah saw in chapter 6 um, was completely different from, from the height that he sees after 70 years. And God must come down, but the place that he's indwelling is too high that he cannot come, but he finally comes. To, to whom? To those who have this contrite heart. This is the image of the revival that happens to the remnants at the end time. Many uh, mission organizations, missionary organizations and many churches, they say that there will be a great harvest, great time of harvest at the end time. And they say that all the churches will experience the revival. But no, no matter where you see in the Bible, there's not a, a revival like that. It has finished. It has ended 100 years ago. The only revival that is left for us is the revival of the remnant of the repentance. This is Isaiah 57, 15. Why is this season so important? Because as God opens the gate of this season, just like Zechariah chapter 5, there will be churches that are being separated from Babylon. And why are they being separated from Babylon? Because they will be able to see the pollution of the world and pollution of the Babylon. And being able to be contrite, it means that God's gospel will be shine uh, completely in me. So in our church, there are still people who do not know how selfish they are, how self-concentrated they are. Even though they've been receiving this gospel for over 20 years, they still cannot see the darkness within themselves. They don't know what it means to live by their selfishness. But as the season begins, as this light is completely being reflected in me, you will begin to be able to have this contrite heart and repent, saying that, oh, that's how wicked I live. These humble people will, will arise. This is the same prophecy that appeals in the book of Daniel. The brave, the, the strong brave and the wise will, will arise. Those who can claim and declare the complete victory over the enemy will arise. The ones who cannot be shaken by the enemies will rise. That's why this season is so important. We are in the season that God is shining His gospel, light of His gospel completely down on us. So as you open your spirit wide open, you need to be able to receive the light of the gospel in you. And you will begin to see your darknesses. Oh, I live by the world so much. I live by my own selfishness and have this con um, contrite heart. Oh, I live by my effort, my experiences, the information of the world. So you should be able to repent deeply about this. Amen? 
from tonight, I believe the power of the blood will, will circulate and it will reveal all the darknesses in you and it will bring strong deliverance. So, so Melchizedek was the one who taught Abraham who God was, who God is. Creator of uh, the ruler of all creations, um, who indwells in the different dimension from the creation. So I'm standing up here because I'm in a high place. You guys, all of you, can see me. Just like first dimension is being embraced by the second dimension, the three dimension is embracing the second uh, second dimension. God is the one who is indwelling in the dimension that can embrace the whole three-dimensional uh, the universe. So when we talk about the rule of God, we should not interpret that rule just like all the ruling of the governments or the rulers of the world. You should rather think that the creator of the whole universe is interfering within the rule of this, of this creation. If he, if he tries to look at the perspective of God, he's the one who have ascended, who have transcended from this universe. He's not in this dimension. If he does not just end there, then he cannot be a creator. But now he has to come into the history of the human being. And even, and even he can, he can count all the numbers of our hairs. That's the principle of his rule. He, he's not the one who is seeing you at a distance and see, oh, let's see how they're doing. No, he's embracing the whole universe. He personally came into the history of the world and he even um, counted and he even interfered in the very smallest aspect in your life and he, he controlled over you. How is that possible? The whole universe and Israel and Jerusalem and Dan Hotel and look how small we are. But imagine and think that he is still counting the number of our hairs and he's still ruling over us. In Psalms 139, David describes God and God is saying that, oh, I want to know about you. Oh, how could an omnipotent, omnipotent God tries to understand, to understand me? Only thing that he has to do is just look at look at me, then then he will know. In First Samuel, he is God of God of understanding. That he he weighs all our deeds and actions. What does it mean? I also experience God, and God is also experiencing us. This is God's love. Because he loved us, he gave up upon using his omnipotence. So look, look, without understanding who God is and still trying to do something with your effort, that's a dangerous thing. Of course, your pastor ministry is, is important, 
but you need to put your life on God instead of your ministry. You need to have the relationship. Unless, how can, how can you minister to people? How can you live? Never, our pastor, please do not put your life on your pastor ministry. Put your life upon God. How tremendous being he is. He is ruling on us. He is the most and most high God. Maybe there are some of you um, who, who God is only a household God to you. Oh, my children, my money, my work. Then you are limit, limiting God only as a household God. You are serving God as Baal. You are only asking for the abundance. That's the syncretism of Israelites, right? All the wickedness, um, uh, mixing God with all the idols. Israel never said once that, oh, I don't know God. They said, well, I believe in God, but because we are in Canaan, we have to um, work in agricultural fields, so we need to believe in Baal too. I believe there are people like that among here. Oh, because I live in the world, I need money, I need to uh, raise my children. That's a syncretism. What's the, what's the Yahweh faith? It's God alone. God alone. God alone. Amen. Only when we have Him alone, then that's everything for us. Amen. So now, now is the time that you will be unraveled. Through the power of the blood, you will be cleansed completely. So let's look at verse 1. Melchizedek was a king of Salem. So he was a king of uh, Jerusalem region. And priest of God most high. And he met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed him. Verse 2. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. They are at the same level, but, but Abraham gave a tithing to Melchizedek. Why? Why did he do that? Because Abraham acknowledged that, that Melchizedek was, a, was in a different level. If you interpret his, his name, Melchizedek, it means king of righteousness. So it means that God's kingdom is kingdom of the righteousness. We talked about holiness before. The core of the holiness is love and righteousness. If we expand the meaning of the righteousness, it means that God has acknowledged. What it means that God acknowledged, it means that you have the qualifications to accept that acknowledgement and you have the qualification to meet God through the acknowledgement. And when we accept God's word, because God's word itself is God's righteousness, and the one who has the righteousness, God will meet him. And if we look at, look at the righteousness in a narrow perspective, 
Receiving the righteousness means that that person has no relationship with sin. So the righteousness in Romans, it means that uh, acknowledging a person that he does not have a sin. The moment that you receive salvation, you, you, received, um, you received the righteousness. But as you live with, with God, you became a practical righteousness. But God's kingdom is not a kingdom that uh, uh, justified righteousness is going, but a practical righteousness is going. So first, you need to accept that. Oh, because all the righteousness that my Jesus has fulfilled, I am acknowledged as a being who does not have a sin. So when you receive the word righteousness, What kind of qualification do I have? I have a qualification to meet God. So actually, that's the, the secret that builds everything. Hebrews chapter 7 and 8 is continuously talking about this. So God's kingdom is kingdom of the righteousness. So you can examine yourselves. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, God calls Israel as a great nation three times through Moses. Well, Israel actually is not a great nation geographically. I've been, ever since I first visited Israel, it, it, uh, I always think that Israel is not a small, small country. The climate, the people, the scale, this mysterious scale. And when you come to Israel, you, you can feel that, right? Of course, Israel is not being restored completely. I'm not feeling its complete scale yet. But still, Israel is not a small country at all. Um, Deuteronomy 4, 6 and 8 says, Israel is a great nation. But why? Because it, ha it is great in wisdom and understanding. Because it has the understanding of God. Through that nation comes out the authority to rule over the world. The knowledge means the status of meeting God. And because you are still meeting, you are meeting God right now, how big of a nation you will be. Hallelujah. Israel is a big nation. Second, why is, Israel, why is Israel being called a great nation? Where is other nation that is as intimate as, as you with God? There are no other nations that can meet uh, intimately like Israel. But in New Testament, not being intimate itself, we can go directly before the throne of grace. So you need to decide your scale. This is kingdom of God. Third, there is no other nation that has received uh, God's word more than Israel. So you receiving God's word, it means that you are accepting God's acknowledgement, God's righteousness. I will tell, speak about this later more. God's word itself is God's promise. 
So the moment that you accept God's word, God acknowledges you right away. I will bless you. And when Creator says that, and when the moment you accept that with faith, it means that you have accepted God's righteousness. And with that promise, you can go before God. So the righteousness is an important factor. It's an important word. God's acknowledgement, qualification to go before God, and the condition is not having a single sin. That's your identity. That's God's kingdom. So um, Melchizedek is being called as king of righteousness and also king of Salem, so king of Shalom. Shalom has many different meanings. In, in terms, in the perspective of the relationship between, between Jesus, it means that um, a king of the perfect victory. So as we, as we live with Jesus, we cannot think of other victory. Sometimes we, we might seem, seem that we are being defeated, but we need to be able to see where our ultimate victory is. The perfect victory has been determined through, through Jesus' crucifixion. Not being just peaceful. It's declaring that the war is finished. When, when we deliver out the devils, we can say many things. We can say, kingdom of God is present. It means that kingdom of the devil has been decided to be defeated, and it is decided to be ruined. Just like Habakkuk chapter 2 is saying, Babylon is a, is a nation to be burnt within an hour. So we should not invest our time or anything in, in this world. That's a foolish thing. It's because we are living in this physical world, that's why we are living here. But we should be in God's rule. We are the ones who confirm this complete victory, Shalom. So, so in God's, God's time, Kairos, what's the, one of the most important things? Is that it is already over. It is already done. Already victory. Already fulfilled. Hallelujah. But it is not yet fulfilled. You are going toward the perfection. That's why you are going toward this perfection. So this is one of the most important concepts in God's Kairos. Already the victory is given. Already all the glory is given. First you should say Amen, right? Already God defeated all the enemies the glory we, and now we need to go toward the perfection amen so all everything is over so only thing we have to do toward this perfection is our our long suffering so what's a faith in hebrews um, believing in God's promise and suffering until until the fulfillment of that promise. That's the definition of faith in Hebrews. That's why this long suffering is important. 
I mean, can you not just stay a little longer to wait for that promise? Only thing that you have to do is to 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 um, do a long suffering. Let's bless one another. Bless one another. Uh, just hold on a little longer. Just hold on. Stay strong. First three. Without father or mother. It means that he has no source of life. He does not have a uh, beginning of days. What does it mean? It means that he existed by himself. As I said before, the difference between Jesus and us is that he is an independent God and we are dependent God. So as long as we, we, we rely on him, then it's all, all over. What's the definition of faith that David had? Is to rely on. So we need to only rely on, on God. What does it mean to rely on God? Okay, let's do this. How should I know whether I'm relying on him or not? Suddenly, Sergio will will, will, will move, move away. Let's do it again. So if I fall like that, it means that I was relying on him. So relying on God is saying, David relied on God. He prayed on God. And when God does not do that for him, he, he collapsed, he fell down. But many of you, many of you, after you even after you pray, but, uh, and even there are people who do not pray, after your prayer, when, when God does not do that for you, then you, you raise your own effort and strength for yourself. So God is not afraid or God is not concerned about those people's prayer. But relying on God, it means that you are completely dependent on God and you do not take any action on, on yourself. You gave up on your own possibilities. In 1 Kings 18, Elijah is fighting, um, battling against these shamans and all the priests. He, he began pouring 12 bottles of water on, on the altar. Why did he do it? Because he gave up upon all his possibilities, human possibilities. That's relying on. That's relying on. Amen? So, so we need to only rely on our Lord. Then He will give us the authority to use and practice all His uh, divine authority and power. We'll talk about this covenantal relationship later, but that's the covenantal relationship that is given to us. That God showing all His authority through us, through this acknowledgement. Deuteronomy 28 says, God gave all His blessings to Israel. He asked for only one thing. You only obey. When, when, when you obey, then God will do everything for you. So, isn't it easy? 
So what God demands to us is so simple. God changed all the impossible, um, uh, all these impossible factors into possibilities. So only thing that we need to do is to look at God. Those those Israelites who died because of of the snake bites, why did they die? Because they did not look at those burned snakes. Only thing that we need to do is just look toward Him. So simple. So let's continue. Without beginning of days or end of life, so that's the eternal characteristics. So Melchizedek is um, symbolizing Jesus, resembling the Son of God. So resembling is um, is like prototype, the Greek word of prototype. So, anyways, let's 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 quickly move over. Uh, let's look at verse four to ten. So it's talking about the superior, uh, superior, uh, superiority of, of Melchizedek. So just think how great he was, Melchizedek. Even even the patriarch Abraham gave him a tenth of the plunder. They were same. They were same patriarchs, but Abraham gave him the the tithing. So this step represents the difference of the level. Now the law requires the descendants of Levi who became priests to the, collect the tenth from the people, that is from their fellow Israel, even, even though they also are descendants from Abraham. Why? Because all these priests, they belong to the family of Abraham. But because of the promise through the blood, blood, um, these these Levites they received the collect of tenth. But look at verse six. Um, this man, however, did not trace his descendant from Levi. Yet he collected a tenth from Abraham and blessed him, who had the promises. So these uh, Levites they received tidings from Israelites, and. And Abraham gave the tenth to, to Melchizedek, and which represents that all the whole Israelites gave the tenth to Melchizedek. So it is showing the superior, uh, superiority of Melchizedek. So verse 7, And without doubt, the lesser is blessed by the greater. And because Melchizedek blessed Abraham, why is the author keeps talking about this? It's because this, this Jewish um, community is trying to have the tendency to return to Judaism. So that's why the author is saying, who is superior? Who is greater? He's comparing to Moses. He's comparing Jesus to Abraham. So he's saying that there's no reason for you to return to Judaism. Of course, it's true that after 8049, the Christians were persecuted. And the Jews and the Jews were treated well by the Roman Empire, the traditional Jews. 
But the author is saying, regardless of those, those privileges of the flesh, there is no reason for you to return to Judaism. He's continuously emphasizing the superiority of, of Yeshua, the greatness of Yeshua. Verse 8, in the one case, the tenth is collected by people who die. But in, the or, but in the other case, by him who is declared to be living. So we are destined to, be, to, to die. Oh, never mind. Um, the priests who are to die, they receive the tenth. But Melchizedek, he, he was to live. The, he had the life, the eternal life, Zoe. So there's a comparison between those two. Because Levites are not the ones who can solve this issue of, of death. But Melchizedek, who had the characteristic of the eternity, he was the one who can solve this issue of death. Verse 9. One might even say that Levi, who collects the tenth, paid the tenth through Abraham. Because because the the ancestor has received the the descendants will to will will be rec will receive verse 10 because when Melchizedek met Abraham Levi was still in the body of his ancestor so it means that uh, Abraham giving the tenth to the Melchizedek symbolized all the Israelites giving the tenth to Melchizedek so let's begin talking about Yeshua verse 11 to 28 well we are out of time okay let's continue to finish uh, tonight and I guarantee you that we will finish until chapter 10 during this conference let's pray <laughs>